bring everyone together for a great time with the Nintendo Switch system. Get the whole family in on the fun with exciting games that everyone can enjoy, like Super Mario Bros. Wonder, Animal Crossing, New Horizons, and more. Nintendo Switch has three different play modes all in one system. Play in TV mode, tabletop mode, or handheld mode when you're on the go. Visit nintendo.com slash us slash switch to learn more. Games rated E for everyone. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card, issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval terms apply. I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. And this is Playing With Science. All right, right. today we are talking about football and the science of catching. Not just any old catch, but possibly the greatest catch of all time. The Odell Beckham Jr. one-handed touchdown grab from 2014. And the science will be courtesy of physicist and author Eric Goff. He will be coming up shortly. Mm-hmm. But the show will not end there. Not at all. We shall examine the glove tech with Joe Bevier from Nike's innovation design team. Now that's going to be interesting. That'll be new for everybody. And then drill down to the nuts and bolts of wide receiving with one of the most renowned wide receiver coaches Coach is Jay Norvell. You know what, Chuck? Yeah. I really like the sound of this show. I might yeah. hang around for it. This is a, by the end of this show, people, you will be able to play wide receiver in the NFL. That's what we're saying. So get the kids and gather around because guess what? You're actually going to, uh, your payday is coming. That little guy that's going out there for Pee Wee League is going to be able to make the pros after this one. All right, but let's get straight to the real deal. Yes. Odell Beckham Jr., 2014. The Cowboys think they have him covered, but oh boy, did they get a lesson. Here's the running back. Play action. And Manning's going to heave one. Is, oh, there's a flag. Beckham a one-handed catch. How in the world? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Was back there. I mean, he is insane. How do you make that catch? Oh my goodness! This is sick. Put this to music. I don't think he stepped out either. That may be the greatest catch I've ever seen. Number thirty-nine. Penalty declined. Ball to the play. Touchdown. You have to be kidding me. That is impossible. That is absolutely impossible. What he just did. That may be the greatest catch I've ever seen in my life. It's in the conversation. Wow. <laughs> After being fouled. I mean, he was clearly fouled on the play, and that's clean. That's not <laughs> – oh, that's but, ridiculous. Well, he does it basically with his thumb and his forefinger. <laughs> that is ridiculous. 
Tom Coughlin said that young man wow. has given all of us wow. a lift. That is just unbelievable. Okay. Insane, impossible, sick, <laughs> catch of all time. Right. And you are kidding me. Yes. I mean, those are the reactions. And this is coming yeah. from an NFL wide receiver in Chris Collingsworth who says, this that may be the greatest catch I've ever seen. And 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 then, you know, Al Michaels, of course, has to tamp things down. Uh, well, it's in the conversation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not. Hey, he could have been British with that understatement. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's in the conversation. So, OK, that's play of the season. Yeah. Right. NFL but, season. Without a doubt. 14, 15. Right. Now, if there is a catch that beats that. I hope we're around to see it. Yeah, I do. And I have to say that uh, I think uh, Chris Collinsworth was right. I mean, when you look at mm. just when you just look at one single catch, one single play, the fact that it went for a touchdown, the fact that he was fouled on the play, that there was clearly a pass interference that happened, the fact that he didn't step out of bounds and that he caught it with one one hand like that. You, you put it all together. How can you say it's not the greatest catch in NFL history? I don't think you can. I mean, we'll get into the controversy yep. as to why some people think it may not be the greatest catch. But just as a catch alone, it is indeed, in my estimation, the greatest catch with one caveat. And that is it was made by a New York Giants receiver as opposed to a Philadelphia Eagles receiver. And, yes, I am a homer. I said it, and I'm sorry. I got respect for Odell and the Giants, but uh, that doesn't stop me from hating them. Okay? All right. Let okay. it go. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. Okay. I'm calming down. And breathe. It's okay. There's yeah. a bottle here. There's and a bottle here. And breathe. Okay. That's Somebody good. hand me my That's bottle. Okay. okay. You good? I'm good. I, sure? Yeah, I keep some scotch under the desk for just such an occasion. I'm good. Okay. Too much information. <laughs> um, Chris Collinsworth called it impossible. Ah, we have a problem with that. But to help us break down the science uh, behind this incredible feat and joining us via Skype, we have physicist Eric Goff, professor of physics at Lynchburg College in Virginia, author, yes, author of gold medal physics, the science of sport, and the man who is going to put possible in impossible. Welcome to the show, Eric. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Glad to be with you, Gary. And yeah, Chuck. you're Thanks, welcome. Yeah. So, talk to us about how on earth this young man does that catch. Well, we certainly know it was possible. We've all seen it. Yeah. Yep. And uh, if you were a, a Giants hater, you can take solace in the fact they did lose that game to the Cowboys. So, well, um, the, here's the only problem with being a Giants hater when you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan. The only team you hate more than the Giants are the Cowboys. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> for some reason, I'm enjoying this. Yeah, this was like a nightmare within a nightmare for me, you know. But go ahead. <laughs> okay, well. Well, so the, the, the catch was, was certainly amazing, and I have to probably agree with Collinsworth that it's probably the best catch that I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we, you know, another time Eli Manning tossed the ball up and great things happened, uh, like when David Tyree made the catch in the Super Bowl. At least yes. he got a little helmet help on that one. Yes, he did. Uh, by uh, the way, I was on the sideline when that catch happened. And, that, and I was rooting for the Giants. I'm not a total monster, Eric. I was on the sidelines for that game, and I was rooting for the Giants because the Patriots had formally beat the Eagles in a Super Bowl, and I just didn't want to see them have a perfect season so you know but yeah yeah that, well as a Dolphins fan I was happy to see that one too so yeah, right on okay so okay, so 
Go ahead. Beckham, Beckham did this all on his own. Um, yep. He, he was interfered with. Uh, Brandon Carr got a couple of flags thrown on the play. And the the laws of physics constrain all of us. Uh, every time we jump, there's only a certain height we can go. Every time we run, there's only a certain speed we can get our body to move. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the laws of physics definitely constrain what we can do. But what Beckham did was show us the absolute limits of what we're constraining by. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, 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 the pure athleticism of what he did was extraordinary. If you're watching the replay, you'll notice he's looking back toward the ball coming at him. And right around the eight and a half yard line, his right foot comes very, very close to going out of bounds. I mean, he's got a lot of awareness of his surroundings. He's run the sidelines probably too many times to count in his life. So he knows where the boundary is mm. and he just keeps himself in bounds. Uh, the ball that, uh, Manning threw probably went around 55 yards horizontally. Uh, I think they were on their own 48-yard line, just left of the right hash. And Manning lets go of the ball at around 56, 57 miles an hour. Wow. Okay. Um, that's that's a fairly typical speed for a long pass like that. Mm-hmm. And immediately the air starts slowing the ball down. It's got about 30% of the ball's weight on air drag. Okay. And by, by the time it hit to uh, to uh, Beckham's hand, it was going about 46 miles an hour. So here's what Beckham did with just three fingers of his hand. Hmm. He took a ball going 46 miles an hour, and he got it to rest in about two-tenths of a second. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, that's pretty impressive, I would say. And, and he's doing this with just three fingertips. So has he broken any Newtonian rules or laws here, or is he just playing with science, as we say? He, he and no one else is going to be able to break any law of physics. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Not even he is that good. So uh, I don't know if you're able to tell me, uh, uh, what, is a, what is the force necessary to grip uh, a football at? at rest and then what would be kind of like the delta change in that force when you uh grip it uh at 46 miles an hour uh, i'm sure that would make a difference from a physics standpoint right so keep in mind a football's weight is only a little less than a pound right so just gripping it in the hand does not require too much more force than that okay now, what Beckham was able to do to take a ball going 46 miles an hour to nothing in just two-tenths of a second, he had to exert with his three fingertips about 10 pounds of force on that ball on average over those two-tenths of a second. Okay. So about 10 times the weight of the ball he had to exert with just three little fingertips. About 10 times the weight of the ball. with the, So like, like he was Ant-Man for a second there. You know, 10 times the weight of the ball with three fingers. You don't want to play thumb wrestle with this guy is basically what you're saying. Just for two-tenths of a second. That's Just, right. Right. Wow. How, how much uh, importance would you place on the fact that Beckham has 10-inch hands? So that's the span from little fingertip to tip of your thumb, hmm. which well, is quite a large hand, by the way. <laughs> Well, if he had uh, a, a nine-inch hands, we're probably not talking about that catch right now. Really? Wow. Is it that much of a, of, of a determining factor that uh, the size of the of, – I guess it would be because at that point you're, you're kind of catching the ball in a catcher's mitt. You know what I mean? That's that, you know, with your hands being that big, they act as a net, right? Well, 
he wasn't able to use too much of his palm. It was just the fingertips. So if his fingers are a little shorter, then the fingertips are probably down a little too much on the ball and he doesn't get quite the grip that he needs. Right. Now I've been, sorry, carry on Eric, please. I've been told that when he's practicing and he will catch punts one handed. So let's not pretend that Beckham's, uh, first time making a one-handed grab was on that play. No, for I mean, this sure. Is some, he's practiced making one-handed grabs in, uh, for for years and years. So, you know, that there was a lot of uh, effort and work and 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 hard work that went into that play uh, leading up to that play. When when you look at this catch, and and as we all have over and over again, he is falling back into the end zone. That ball is traveling at something 50 plus miles an hour, as you said, maybe 46 when it hits him. How many calculations has his brain made through his eyes, through his fingertips to make that play happen? Well, it it, clearly we're talking about thousands and thousands of of very tiny calculations, but Mm. The, the fact that Manning was able to throw a nice spiral, kept the ball on a fairly uh, even trajectory yes. so that, you know, he doesn't have to uh, concentrate too hard on which way the ball is going. It looked like it was actually headed out of bounds. Yeah. So when you when you see him catch the ball, he, he you know, when he brings it to rest, he's, he's pulling it back in bounds. Uh, when, when he's backwards, he's very lucky that he's got a foot down on the ground because it kept him from over-rotating back into the end zone. Right. Because if he had over-rotated, then uh, he would have come down uh, on on the ground. Well, then again, he, he, he pulled the ball back to his torso at that point. So that, does having a foot on the ground give you some kind of stabilizing force that allows you to then pull the ball in? Uh, what is the purpose uh, or what is the significance of having a foot on the ground? Well, it really gave him a chance to get a torque applied because had he not had his foot on the ground, uh-huh. if he'd kept rotating toward the end zone, he would not have been able to have his hand high enough to get the ball. Gotcha. So it kept him from rotating back too far so that he could just get his hand up on it. Eric, do you think it's going to be important for wide receivers to attend any of your lectures? <laughs> on physics to get a better part of their game going? Or is this just something that's instinctive, instinctively there? Well, as I said before, I mean, he, he's been practicing one-handed catches, and I have no idea what his physics knowledge is. But mm-hmm. if, if you simply practice something over and over and over again, uh, when the, the, the game's on and the, the moment's there, uh, you're not doing it for the first time. So, uh, even though that catch was probably the, the first time he did anything quite that athletic, mm-hmm. uh, he, he knew what it was like to catch a ball one-handed, and, and that skill is what helped him make that catch. Well, you know, let's talk about just the wide receiver, that position in general, uh, from a scientific standpoint. Uh, you know, Hall of Famer Chuck Bignarek said, uh, uh, I didn't need physics when I played, but maybe some of these young guys do. Now, he kind of disparaged physics a little in that statement. He's throwing a little shade at physics, which, you know, I don't, I don't really uh, appreciate as, you know a, as a fan of science. There. What he's done there is show you the, the watershed between old school mm-hmm. and new school. The, the guys around now are so used to science being part of their programming, right. their regime, their training, their development. The older guys that just did out and went out there did their thing. So yeah. science is probably new to the, and he just did it naturally without understanding what was behind it. So let me ask you this, uh, Eric. Do you think that uh, a player knowing physics 
understanding the laws of physics, understanding the dynamics of motion, do you think that that actually can help their game? Or is it kind of like the difference between flying in a plane and piloting one? Like every pilot you talk to knows the physics behind flight. That's all there is to it. But you don't have to know the physics behind flight to take a flight. So do you think that 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 it's actually beneficial for a player to know science and to know physics? Well, I'd like to think that knowledge is power and anything you can do to better understand your work environment, uh, and if that work environment's on the gridiron, then I, I think it can help uh, to quantify how much help I think is, is difficult. I mean, th- people have been playing sports a long time without going to a physics class, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying it's necessary, but I will you know, make another pitch for science. Uh, science is helping protect these players from concussions with better helmets, so better true. padding. Uh, the met sports medicine is getting them recovered from injury a lot faster, extending their careers and the money that they can make. True. So, and, and the fact that um, that Odell Beckham was wearing, I believe it was a Nike Vapor Jet Three model glove um, that's got an extra kind of a tacky uh, substance on it. Uh, that that helps make the catch. Uh, I'm not sure if he makes that catch barehanded. You know, it's it's something that uh, the technology is helping the players perform, and it's great. Uh, and whether or not they understand the technology, I don't think is that that important. But it definitely helps all of us who watch these things understand better how they're doing it. Wow. Hey, man, that's great. And thank you for uh, talking about the glove, because uh, we actually have a, a segment coming up uh, where we're going to actually discuss the controversy surrounding the fact that Odell Beckham used gloves. And we have uh, one of the engineers, Joe Bevier from uh, Nike Football Innovation, who's going to talk to us about that very glove you just mentioned. So thank you for that, sir. Uh, anytime sure. you want you want to program our show, we, we'll have you back and just let you program the show. Yeah, Eric. <laughs> Thank you so much. So clearly this is the greatest catch of all time. I agree. I mean, there's, it's very, very, very hard to say it isn't. And here to confirm why it's the greatest catch of all time is comedian extraordinaire Jamie Mattern here in New York City. What's up, Jamie? Hey! What up, baby? How you doing, man? So, uh, yeah, man. I, I know you have some, uh, some thoughts on how great this catch really is. Uh, so what do you got, buddy? All right. This is how good. I mean, that catch is amazing. All right. There's been amazing catches. You know, you watch... Uh, footage of the 70s, Fred Belitnikoff would make great catches like that, like a ballerina, but he had stick them all over. Okay, that doesn't count, all right? <laughs> that's nonsense. That's outlawed now. That's cheating. I could go do that, okay? All right? So I'm comparing this to other all-time great catches in life. This is how good Odell is, that he can do, like, better than everyone else in catches. Like this. Here's a great catch in life. Jay-Z, God bless him, great rapper, no business being with Beyonce, okay? <laughs> She's like, on a scale of one to 10, she's 20 billion, all right? <laughs> Add more zeros. Keep the zeros coming. She's gorgeous. He's a decade older than her, right. all right? He's not the sexiest man alive. He's not the rock, okay? He's the sling rock. Night night problems, rock. But he ain't the rock. He has no business doing it. It's a great catch. That's a great Odell, catch. Yeah, guess what Odell would do? He'd do it better. He'd marry Beyonce. Her sister, all of Destiny's Child. He'd marry all of Columbia Records. All of them. Do you Columbia Records take uh, him as your husband? Yes. They all, it'd take a while from the answer, but that would happen. All right? You got any more great catches? Yeah, here's another one. I'm going to go another wedding scenario. Years ago, I'm at one. This girl, Gina, climbed over three bridesmaids to get the bouquet. 
This girl didn't even go to her, her high school prom, all right? No one loved her. A year later, after catching the bouquet, married a neurosurgeon. Yeah, she's like the Rudy of weddings, all right? <laughs> That's pretty impressive. <laughs> Guess what? If Odell was there, he would have scaled over the whole wedding party. Groomsmen, bridesmaids, the, the girl throwing the flowers, the organist, all of them would have caught the bouquet with one hand. The other hand, the garter would have caught the garter <laughs> and the bouquet. And then marry himself. himself. <laughs> yes. Progressive. Progressive. Marry himself. <laughs> 21st all right, century. All right, give me, all right. give me one more. Bring it home with one more, man. You're in a roll. <laughs> all right. Um, let's do. Um, how about Trump? Trump, this is an amazing catch, whether you like it or not. Okay. Nine years ago, he was calling Rosie O'Donnell a pig on talk shows. Seven years ago, he was taking a Stone Cold Stunner in WrestleMania. Three years ago, firing people on a reality show, okay? Now he's the president. He's the leader of the free world, all right? Odell would do it better, uh -oh. okay? Odell would, on election night, when he's uh, announcing that he won, he would be giving a stunner to Rosie O'Donnell while firing Hillary. That's how he'd do it. And then he'd go, <laughs> guess what, baby? We're going to make America Odell again. Yeah. <laughs> That's how he does it, baby. All right. All right, oh, James. 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 Oh, King James. Once Go on. Thank you, fellas. And well, clearly, we got a good catch when we got you, brother man. Sure. Uh, nice work Woo! there. Nice Thank work. You, boys. Take it easy. <laughs> we are going to take a short break, but as is the way with playing with science, we will leave you with something for your gray matter. Okay, question time, people. We will have the answers after the break, by the way. Who is said to be Odell Beckham's childhood sporting hero. Who was Odell Beckham's childhood sporting hero? And then the next question, might be easy this one, who is Beckham's glove supplier? Mm. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Uh, test of your memory, that yeah. one. Right, we'll have the answer you after the break. See you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
Welcome back. I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. And this is Playing, Playing with, with Science. And today we are talking about football and the science behind Odell Beckham Jr.'s incredible one-handed catch that he has replicated over and over again. Right, before we get to our next guest, who is rather special, answers to our little questions teasing you before the break. Who is said to be Odell Beckham's childhood sporting hero? Mm. Yeah, none Chuck of Nice. Thank you. Uh, yes. Odell, it's okay, baby. I understand. He's only human. Yeah. I yeah. mean, really. Well, apart from Chuck Nice, right. it was David Beckham. <laughs> he of what? soccer, not football. But I can see where he's going with that. And who is Odell Beckham Jr.'s glove supplier? Da, 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 da. Mm, I, mm. I'm going to go with, let me think. Mm, maybe they, let me just, I, if I think hard enough, it'll come to me. I'm just going to do it and say Nike. <laughs> What yep. a great answer. Yep. And here from Nike's innovation design team is Joe Bevier, man behind Odo Beckham's gloves. Is that right, Joe? You are the man behind the gloves? Uh, I wouldn't want to take exclusive credit for that. There's a huge team of, of very talented people and scientists and researchers who are constantly working to make these products better so that athletes can do better than their previous best. Wow, with an answer like that, you could actually play quarterback in the NFL, Joe. That was excellent, my friend. Don't upset our guests. <laughs> uh, no, I'm saying that's a great answer. He's just like, yeah. hey, you know, because, you know, the, that's your job as a quarterback. Yeah. You know, it's like they, they compliment you and you go, yeah, well, you know, uh, the offensive line, they did their job. You know, I, I, I can't say that I did it alone. And, of course, you know, uh, my guys went up top and they went for the ball and they fought for it. And, you know, that really helps out. That helps me look good. You know, listen, this is a team effort all the time. And even the coach, you know, that was a great play to call at that particular time. So I have to say, like, you know, you know, it, it, I, auditioning I, I'm, glad, I'm glad to stand here and, and say how great the play was. But, you know, I got to give credit to all my guys. And you just did that, Joe. <laughs> OK, let's let's go back to 2014. This rookie that got drafted that you signed, Nike signed just before the draft has set the glove business on fire. Did you ever think that this guy could do that? Or did you realize the potential who he already had? I'm not actually surprised. Mm -hmm. When you uh, deal with world-class athletes all the time, the amount of skill and training these guys have, it's its just off the hook. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's incredible. And, you know, it's their job. They're working every day at getting better at it. Right. Much like at Nike, we're working every day to make better products to serve athletes. So yeah. We've talked about the science and the talks and the forces and spirals and everything revolving around, quite literally, pun intended, that pass, that catch. But on those gloves is a certain amount of tech can you talk us through the tech? Because there are no standardized gloves. Is, am I no. right in NFL? No, there are, there are some performance standards. Mm -hmm. um, and what yeah. are those? And, and, and what do you mean by performance standards uh, when you well, talk about the gloves and the NFL regulations? Okay. Uh, the, the regulations are different at different levels of play, high school, college, and NFL. Okay. And uh, basically, they don't want the gloves to get in, in their words, too sticky. Ah, they don't want right. to change the game with the equipment. Uh, that said, there are lots of things that can be done within the, the rules to make the product actually work better. I mean, by simply making it 
fit better and articulate better to the complex motion of the hand, right. you can help them to catch better. Absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, so kind of like, um, it. and I'm, I'm going to sound like a real dweeb and geek here, but it's it's kind of like the advancements that were made in surgical gloves years ago. You know, it's like surgical gloves used to be somewhat clumsy. And as the technology got better, it allowed doctors to articulate their hands and finger movements with more precision, thereby making surgery easier. So it's that it's that kind of deal, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're allowing the hand to do naturally what it does best. And in some cases, you can do things that allow it to do things a little better than it would naturally do. Nice. But again, you know, these athletes, they train. They train for hand strength. They train for visual acuity. So they learn to track a ball through the air and judge its position Um faster than the average person can. So, Joe, when you are starting with just a basic glove with no tech on it at all, and you look at some parameters in terms of that design and that development, how much of the glove's coefficient of friction in terms of engineering do you build in or don't build in? Uh, that is entirely built in. That That is one of the primary considerations in, in helping the athlete to catch the ball. Okay. Cool. Can you tell us without giving away any of the shh, top no, secrets? No, just give them away, Joe. Just give us all the Nike proprietary secrets right now. Just go ahead and oh, let them out, babe. That's three questions later. Yeah. We've got to set him up for this. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So as Chuck was saying, spill the beans. <laughs> All the proprietary stuff. Nah, no. Nah. Oh, so that's, can that's, can you can you can no? I'm I'm joking. But could yeah. you what what Gary just said? Could you break down the components of the glove and what each component? Why it's there? Like the neoprene and you know whatever these the silicone, all that kind of stuff. Can you break down those components and tell us why they're there? Sure. Sure. Okay. So let's start with the palm material because mm. we were talking about that. Yeah. That's a specifically formulated silicone. It's not a off the shelf one that you'd find every day. And uh, or, it's or the kind that you would find in Hollywood boobs. Right. Chuck. Right. Sorry. Sorry about that. So you should be. Sorry, I had to say that. Let's Go keep ahead. it professional, guys. Okay. <laughs> you just got taken to school. Look at that. I'm being reprimanded. Good. <laughs> Nike gave me a slap on the wrist. I yeah. love it. No, no Nike relief parcel for you, sir. <laughs> Sorry about that, man. Go ahead. Go so ahead, the silicone is a, uh, is a special silicone that you guys um, developed. Go for it. Right. Right. And, and it combines a certain coefficient of friction and... Uh, some uh, other magic that uh, we won't go into in great detail, but okay. it adds to durability and so forth and helps the athletes catch better. Um, some of the other materials like the neoprenes, the foams and things, some positions want uh, padding in their gloves in various places. Maybe they're blocking mm. and hitting the heel of their hand on other people's uh, you know, helmets and things and Makes they get sense. bruises. Yeah. Or the back of the hand, especially, you know, getting tackled and so forth. You know, you get a pile of people, the hand, back of the hand is very sensitive where you have mm. uh, skin and bones right next to each other. And when something hard gets pressed against the skin, it really hurts. You get bad bruises. You can even get breaks. So, you know, the, the foam is very strategically located for padding where they need it and not where they don't. It's also segmented in ways that help the, the glove, although it's protective, remain very flexible. Mm -hmm. Again, that 
that comes back to the range of motion of the hand. A poorly built glove, if you put your hand in it and try and spread out your fingers and much like a receiver does, make a big target for the ball like they're taught to do. They're taught to, to frame the ball, right? Yeah, right. yeah. Like With this you. and see it, right? And it's like, well, if in a glove you can only get your, your hand a, a certain size, um, when you go to, to catch it, you've got a smaller target hmm. versus if that glove can expand all right. the way to the limits of the range of your hand and doesn't limit it, you've got a better chance of catching the ball. So do you articulate the fingers where the knuckles are, or are they just plain, solid pieces of, oh, you're smiling at me, that may be a secret. He doesn't uh, he's like, yeah, we're not, well, I can't give that up. Uh, it depends a little, no, it depends a little on the design. Yes, there are features <laughs> built into them to help them articulate more, actually. Mm. And, and uh, some of them are very visible. Some of them are not so visible because it has more to do with the way that um, the material is cut and so forth. Okay. Cool. All right. I'm going to use the example of the natural world and the gecko climbing up the vertical wall or hanging off the ceiling and scaring everybody to pieces. Mm-hmm. They have a certain and sort of way. selling insurance. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, selling us insurance with London voices. <laughs> so um, they've got this system of hairs, and then they, they sort of diversify those hairs out. It's like a microsuction. Do you feel that that may be, for the future, the way to go, or have you explored that and thought, does not work? There are a lot of different mechanisms um, to increase grip and that's that's one that's very popular in the natural world mm-hmm. uh, right now those types of materials are are very developmental and extremely expensive nah. uh, prohibitively so and one of the facts is when you look at uh, the gecko specifically um, those hairs regenerate themselves mm-hmm. they're very small uh-huh. so they wear out and so forth very quickly. Uh, the, your gloves, um, making gloves that grow, that would be a real trick, I think, to regenerate themselves. So what would happen essentially is that grip would wear off very quick, most likely. Without, without then giving away every single secret that Nike own, where do you see the evolution of gloves going? Um, and Can you go any further than you've yeah, gone? I mean, without go. changing the game. I mean, uh, once you start getting into areas where you're like, when you look at a, a, the tentacle of an octopus and you put some kind of suction on it or, you know, things like that, well, aren't you at, at that point just changing the game? Uh, and, and so how far can you go without changing the position? Well, I think there's, I think there's always opportunities. Uh, the game evolves slowly, but it does. If you look at the history of the ball, it's changed in shape and features and so forth over years. And uh, I think the biggest change in the last few years, maybe decade or so, is the degree of training that athletes are doing. Oh. and how speed and strength have increased. Mm -hmm. And in some ways that's forced us to change the way we make the gloves to actually make them more durable for this new class of athlete that's better, faster, jumps higher and farther. Wow. Um, Has Beckham himself joined the design team 
and given his input as to what he would like, or is he um, not allowed in just in case he goes completely nuts? Or any wide receiver. I mean, you know, there's so many great receivers out there now. It's kind of a receiver's game, you know, quarterback to receiver. That's the hookup for the game right now. Do you guys do you guys consult with, you know, like a Larry Fitzgerald or A.J. Green or Beckham Jr.? Or Absolutely. Um, that's one of our primary inputs that guides what we do. That's that's kind of the litmus test, if you will, that determines we're on the right track is, does it meet an athlete need and it does it help them to perform better? And we talk with all of our stable of athletes at all levels. I've done all right. uh, receiver's glove testings with um, you know young kids, with high school age kids, college players, and with pros. I mean, wow. we talk to all of them and get input on the product. How does it fit? How does it feel? Try this glove and this glove. Which catches better? And, and what do you think? And it's like, you know, we want to hear from them what they like and don't like and, and make that product that is so much better. And we, we tend to, what we do is we test that in the lab mm. and then we, we go validate it on athletes. So it's kind of proven and tested. So Joe, yeah, which group gave you the best feedback, the most useful feedback, high school, college or pro? They all do. Um, they all have slightly different needs. It's mm. interesting. Um, the, they're very engaged. They're very into the product. Um, it's amazing how in tuned with it they are. You know, we have situations where you change something by a couple hundredths of an inch and players can tell the difference there. Wow. That's how in tune they that's are. With, yeah. They're the tools of the trade, mm. you know, and, and they, they are so intimate with them. Um, and it's just amazing some of the feedback you hear at different levels. Um, the high school kids, um, a lot of them, they throw balls as fast and as far as college and pro quarterbacks do. I mean, yeah. I was talking about the level of skill and training these days. It's it's really so elevated. It's incredible. Wow, that's cool. Let me uh, read. Let me just uh, tell you a, a quote by Jerry Rice, and he's talking about your gloves specifically the gloves that Odell Beckham Jr. was wearing uh, uh, at the time that he made that catch. And Jerry Rice said the following, uh, those gloves that they're using today, there's no way Odell Beckham would have made that catch without those gloves. Back in my day, oh, back in my day, we used to use those scuba diving gloves. Uh, gloves just give you a different feel for the ball. I have 1,549 receptions and 22,895 yards. If I had the gloves they have today, I think everything would have been doubled. And that is my most humble opinion because I'm a very, very humble guy. Signed, Jerry Rice. <laughs> so, Joe, simple question. Simple question. Was Jerry right? Was he right? Boy, you you're, you really got me cornered now. <laughs> um, yes and no. Oh, great. <laughs> I, I do believe that Jerry wore some of these very same types of gloves with the very same material in the last few years of uh -huh. his career. So I think the gloves possibly helped him uh, more than he thinks, too. Mm. Uh, on the other hand, I, I've got to give it to these athletes again, the way they train. You know, uh, it, it's, it's crazy, their skills. I mean, I'm not going to take anything away from – Odell, I mean, he's one of the best receivers in the game today. Right. And 
And there, and like, as you said, there's a lot of them. Yes. That doesn't take anything away from any of them. Yeah. Uh, just incredible skills. So maybe and, what you can do, Joe, is create a glove that will help Jerry Rice stop hating. <laughs> I think I could do that. We could fill the glove with a lot of love in it. Oh, yeah, that's Absolutely. it. Absolutely. A love glove, baby. We need a love glove. <laughs> well, you know, there there is love in glove. It's G-love. Oh, right on. See? Ooh. Jerry Love. Well, and dial up the special sauce. That's all I'm saying. That's- all right, Joe. Absolute pleasure. And thank you, sir, for uh, unlocking a little bit of the tech magic that goes on on Nike's gloves. Uh, pleasure. Hopefully, we'll have you back soon. Thank you to Joe Devier on Nike's development and design team. We are going to take another break, which means simply... Two things. Two more questions. Right. Question one. How many NFL Pro Bowls has Odell Beckham Jr. already been to? Oh, yeah. Hmm. So there's your first question. And ah, which team did Odell Beckham Jr. make that? Yes, that catch against in November 2014. The answers to those unbelievably Big teasing questions will be with you when we come back. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Welcome back. I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. And this is Playing Playing With with Science. Science. Okay, we left you before the break with some brain teasers, or not. It depends on your point of view. All right, which, uh, well, how many Pro Bowls has Odell Beckham Jr. already been to? Answer simply two. Yeah, the boys uh, made a statement, didn't they? He really has. One and two, and probably year three as well. And... Uh, which team, Chuck, cover your ears? Which team did Beckham make that play of the season against in 2014? Of course, it was the Cowboys. Uh, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, one of uh, one oh, Chuck's God. least favorite teams. Is there something teams. in my throat? Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm so sorry. Take a, take a gulp so of water. Sorry. However, one of our favorites is wide receiver coach for Arizona State University, Coach Norvell. He is the author of The Complete Wide Receiver, mm-hmm. a man who has been in the game for 25 years. Yeah. Well, this guy is going to know an awful lot about wide receivers. So let's let's start with Coach. Coach Norvell, welcome to Playing With Science. Hey, Coach. 
Uh, hey guys, how are you doing this morning? Doing we are great, great, good. Man. Thank you for your company. <laughs> After Beckham makes that catch against the Cowboys, does he begin to change the game? Has he now set himself up to be a game changer, or is he just a wide receiver? No, I, I, I definitely think he's had an impact, especially on how young people hmm. uh, view football, hmm. and uh, and I think it really has to do with with media attention and uh-huh. social yeah. media attention. And as many times as kids can see these types of plays, uh, I think what we're seeing is emulation, which has always been something that's been a in sports and athletics, we've always tried to emulate our stars. Yes. Uh, but when we see, uh, we have the opportunity to pick up a phone or pull up on a computer, a highlight of a one handed grab, young people try to re- repeat that action and practice that action. And right. I think that's what we're seeing is, is a trickle down effect. And it has made a big effect on the game. When you're recruiting players, do you look for the kind of skill set that Beckham has brought to the game? Or is there another set of boxes that are ticked for particularly wide receivers? And, and what is now? Because I've seen, you know, I've been a football fan uh, for pretty much my entire life, you know, watching a game, sitting on my dad's knee. And I can tell you that wide receivers have changed in the way that they look, in their size. You know, in addition to that skill set that Gary just brought up, what is the prototypical wide receiver that you're kind of looking at now? Well, that's the beautiful thing about the position, I think, which makes it so fascinating is that there's all different types of receivers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just in the last couple of years, I I had uh, Sterling Shepard, who's who's probably I think Sterling is 5'10", 5'11". And then I also had Doriel Green Beckham, who plays for Philadelphia. Yes. 6'6", 230 pounds. So there's a wide range of body types. There's a lot of, a wide range of, of physical attributes mm-hmm. that make wide receivers special and great. Um, but you look for, for players that can adjust. You look for body control. You look for great agility. Uh, you have to have fabulous hand-eye coordination and ball skills. Mm-hmm. I was blessed to, to coach Marvin Harrison wow. when I was with, with, with the Indianapolis Colts, and he was a tremendous point guard in high school out of Philadelphia, uh, and then went to Syracuse, of course. But 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 he had tremendous ball skills and great speed and uh, athletic ability and agility. Um, wide receivers have to be able to adjust, and that is a quality that you look for as well in in, in athletes. So, uh, to answer your question in in a condensed. Uh, uh, response. Uh, there's a variety of skills. Um, ball skills are very important. Agility is extremely important. Mm-hmm. And then being able to put that all together in, in, into a very fast uh, game where you have to, where you have speed and, and uh, athletic, the best athletes in the world coming at you. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a very hard thing to, to, to really put a finger on when you're evaluating talent. Hey, let me follow up on that, uh, uh, if you don't mind, because you just brought up something. You brought, you brought up speed. Um, so you look at somebody like um, Deshaun Jackson, mm-hmm. all right, who is playing at Washington. This guy's a tremendous receiver, and he's, he's rather small. But then you look at somebody like Megatron, 
who yep. uh, tops, you know, six whatever. I think he's like six four or six five, right? And but he also has that same speed. So which guy are you looking at? Okay, you're you're doing some recruiting now. We're gonna make you the GM. You're looking at two guys. One of them, Deshaun Jackson, clearly a phenomenal talent. The other guy, a Megatron, different physiology. Which guy do you think is better for you to work with that that you want to look at? Well, the most the most unusual player is Megatron. Uh, if you just go back over the years, finding an athlete with that size, that ability to run, mm. rarely, rarely comes along. Maybe mm. once in a generation. Uh. So, so if you had your if you could carve him out of stone, you would take Megatron. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but right. but speed speed is a very very important attribute, one that you can't coach, that you have to recruit, that you have to draft yeah. uh-huh. during the NFL. Okay, and so that is also an important quality. But if you could if you could have size and speed, that would be that would be the ultimate. Once you get your wide receiver, and you know what, as the owner of our make-believe franchise, I've just allowed you to buy both those guys, so uh, good for you, coach. Um, What do you do working with them? So they've got the speed, you don't need to coach that, but how do you use, and particularly science, to bring their game to a level it hasn't been to yet? Well, there's there's certain qualities that we work on. One of the things, uh, we really break it down into three simple things. The first job that a wide receiver has is to get open. So we spend a, 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 a large amount of our time. Uh, anybody can run a 12-yard curl route on air. But once you get to, to major college football, once you get to the NFL, mm-hmm. there's defenders that stand over you and try to impede your progress. So we spend a lot of time on working uh, and uh, separation. Hand, absolutely. Uh, hand releases, mm-hmm. uh, uh, keeping uh, the people from putting their hands on you in all types of different ways. So that's part of our pre-practice ritual. The next thing that a receiver has to do is, is catch the ball. And so ball skills are extremely important. And I think that's where you've seen a huge change because of the fabulous you know, one-hand catch by an o- Odell Beckham. Uh, you know, those are things that that kids didn't practice all the time. Yeah. I think one of the things now is that you, kids will practice hundreds of catches like that a day. You know, we will not leave the practice field without catching at least a hundred balls at the end of practice. Okay. Um, we'll catch low, we'll catch high, we'll catch from the right, we'll catch from the left, we'll catch over the shoulder, uh, thumbs together, pinkies together. Basically, we'll try to manufacture any type of uh, unusual situation that can happen in a game mm-hmm. and work it every single day. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll practice one hand catches. Uh, so we'll practice outside, inside, over the top. But we, we try to recreate those magical things that happen in the game right. and we work mm-hmm. them on, on them every day in practice. So now uh, with that in mind, because uh, yeah, you just said it, that you practice, now you're practicing. And it's funny because you look on YouTube and you see all these kids now, all these little kids now, that's what they practice. But when you talk about the fundamentals of catching, if I remember correctly, if I remember correctly from what I was taught, all right, two things you want to do is – uh, look the ball in. So you catch with your eyes. All right. Sure. You, you want to look the ball in. You're looking at the point of the ball. We even used to do drills where they painted the front of the ball. You know <laughs> what I mean? Seriously. And you had to call out the color of the ball. You know? Yep. Right. So you, you, and the other thing you want to do is you catch with your fingers. And the other fundamental is two hands. Because yes, sir. You, you, it's, it's, it's easier to catch with two hands than it is to catch with one. 
So, Absolutely. So now that these kids are practicing one-handed catches, it, 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 how do you make that part of the fundamentals of the game? Or do they have to have the fundamentals down first? What do you do with that as a coach? Because I, I see kids coming in and going, I'm going to yes. Beckham this. I'm going to Beckham this. <laughs> Look at me, coach. Look at me, well, Beckham I, this, coach. You're, you're absolutely right. And, and, and to break the fundamental down, we call it framing the framing the football. So okay. I would like, if the ball is thrown above my chest, I would like two hands together, my thumbs together, and I want to frame the ball, which means I want to get my head and eyes behind the flight of the football. Wherever the ball is, I'd like to get in that position. Mm-hmm. If the ball's below my chest, I'd like my pinkies together. And absolutely, you would like to use both hands because the probability of you catching the ball rises when you use two hands. Now, uh, if, if, uh, if, the, the doctorate degree is the Odell Beckham one-hand catch. That's mm-hmm. what would like to progress to after you play for years. But if, if I'm teaching a young, a young player how to first catch the football, it's absolutely with two hands on the ball. It's absolutely getting my body behind the football. And, and I would like to frame the football. I was, I was very fortunate to work with the Oakland Raiders uh, and, and Fred Belitnikoff Whoa. was one of, the, one, of the, one of the greats that I was able to work with. And, and Fred called it backstopping the football. And what backstopping means is my hands actually get behind the ball. And even if I don't catch the football clean, I can stop the flight of the football and catch it on a bobble even. Mm-hmm. And, and so those are things we talk to our players about. Backstopping the football, I thought, was a brilliant way to explain it from a guy that's Hall of Fame of getting both hands behind the ball, stopping the flight of the football so it will give you the opportunity to even catch it on a hop if you don't catch it clean. So um, absolutely, we do not coach using one hand on the football. That's not something we coach, but we do coach that as an alternative. There are times when a defender grabs an arm. And you can only go after the football with one hand. And if you practice it and give with it, you can certainly uh, learn to catch the ball one-handed. Do you find players just naturally intuitive? Someone like Beckham just seems to have the attitude that, I'm going to do it like this, coach. It's not a problem. And how do you work as a coach with a player with that kind of attitude? Well, the one thing I do see is he practices it. He Ah. practices in the pregame and mm. and uh you know i think that's something that that uh allows him to be able to do it in the game i know i know he catches like 300 balls on a jugs every practice every single day right. and, he, and and a number of those balls i'm sure he catches one-handed i've seen him do it in warm-ups so mm. that's something that he, that's that's not foreign to him because he works on it every single day and he's learned he's learned to master those catches and and uh you know, and that's something that has to be developed. Many athletes don't have big enough hands to, uh, to be able to throw the football yeah. with one hand. And, you know, I know Randy Moss used to catch the ball in pregame with one hand all the time because he was such a big athlete. He had huge hands and was able to do that. Um, many things that we we felt were impossible in the past are becoming possible because these great athletes are working on it. Um, that's one of the things when – when I uh, went from college football to the National Football League, I coached six years in the NFL. Um, the speed of the game is just incredible because yeah. you have the world's greatest athletes on both yeah. sides of the ball, and they practice these skills over and over and over, eight to ten hours a day. So, so many things that 
that you would think are 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 impossible to do they're making them possible, make them possible. Because- just just through the hard work and the repetition of practice no you know question. so so think, thinking of the practice uh, you know and the hard work you know that's a mental state how about mental toughness you know a, a part of a wide receiver's game you know is there's a great deal of mental toughness that you have to have in order to concentrate and 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 make these spectacular catches that the can you coach that can you coach the kind of concentration and mental toughness and can you please um give beckham green of the philadelphia eagles since you know him give him a call and tell him to increase his concentration because the brother the brother keeps looking up field he keeps looking up field before he has the ball in his hands okay and can you please tell him to stop do that i'm just asking you coach if you could call him and just say please but no all right all right Coach, just, right, coach. just say you will. Just say you will. Don't don't pick up the phone. Just say you will. Just no, absolutely. But but talk will. about the mental toughness involved and the concentration necessary to play this play this position. Well, well, on 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 that note, it is it is a very difficult thing to evaluate because one of the people ask all the time, what's the difference between college ball and pro ball? The the biggest thing in in college football, there's over 120 teams, and the athletes are spread out all over the country. Right. When you get to professional football, there's 32 teams, and the very best athletes in the world are playing defensive back, and so the speed and athletic ability that they have to react is the very best in the world. Um, and so, for a receiver to make the jump. From, from college competition to professional competition and the speed of the game is ramped up so much and, and, and the margin for error is wrapped uh, is so small. Mm. It, 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 many players don't adjust uh, to the next level. And that's very difficult uh, to wow. evaluate when you, when you evaluate in the draft, can this player focus and concentrate with the speed of the game at the NFL level? Mm. Um, and then you bring in the mental toughness uh, aspect. You know, uh, there, aren't, there aren't many Ray Lewises running across the field, and I know there aren't in the NFL anymore, but in, in college football, it changes the game. You know, we, we, we have an old saying as wide receivers, if you want to win, you got to catch the ball in between the hashes. Yes. And, 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 that's, and that takes a different kind of mental, mental toughness. You know, Michael, Michael Irvin used to have to – build up a whole lot of courage when he used to run slant routes you hear him say it all the time he goes he'd have to talk himself into it i don't want to go back to the ghetto i'm going to cross <laughs> run across the middle and i'm going to catch the ball that's, but that's the mindset you know yeah. these men are doing this for a living and i tell our college players all the time you have no di- you have no idea the intensity of an nfl saturday sunday mm. um it, it, the, the intensity the speed of the game the physicality is is 10 times what it is in a college game and and so the focus the mental toughness it takes to cross the middle and catch the ball when you know you're going to get hit uh it, it there's a whole different level when you get to the national football league and and so i think that's why you see some players struggling mm. to be to be consistent at that level and then the guys that that do it so well for a long time the steve smiths of the world the mm. the guys that are just so mentally tough and and physical uh, and and courageous going across the middle. Uh, those guys separate themselves from the rest of the pack. Wow. All right, Coach, cool. just one thought. What is the future going to look like for wide receivers? 
Very, very good question. Um, you know, I don't know if we felt like we would ever see guys, you know, 6'6", 235-pound wide receivers, um, um, but athletes are training so much, the speed and athletic ability are, mm. are improving at a, at a high rate. I think we're seeing an evolution in the passing game because we have these national seven-on-seven tournaments. Kids are playing more football games in the offseason and in the summer than they actually do in the fall in these seven-on-seven tournaments. So the level and the skill of, of passing is being being uh, increased every year that we play. And, and kids at a younger and younger age are, are mastering throwing and catching the football. So I just think it's going to continue to improve. Um, you know, the rules are allowing uh, uh, it to be more difficult to play defense and, and, and the passing game is improving every, every, every year. So I just, I just see the game continuing to evolve. I think we're going to see bigger athletes on the perimeter, faster athletes on the wow. perimeter. That's and, uh, and uh, you know, the passing stats should just continue. That's scary good, man. That's scary good stuff. Hey, before we let you go, I just always like to know this. So give me your top five receivers in the game, not necessarily ranked from best to worst, but just the top five guys that you think, like, these are the best receivers in the game. Are you talking about right now? Yeah, right now. Not, 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 not in history. That's too much. That's too much to go oh, history. But just, uh, the, just the guys that are out there on Sundays right now. Um, I mean, I love Julio Jones. Uh, and, and oh, yes. G. Green and, and, and uh, uh, of course, Odell has is, is, is played fabulously in the last couple of years. Um, those would be the top three that I would pick right there. Right on. Right on. <laughs> Coach Novell, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. All the best to you and your teams. Thanks so much. And been a privilege to have you on board playing with science. We look forward to your company in the future. You guys, it's been an honor. Honor's been ours. Well, there you have it. That's our show. Yeah. Yeah, man. It was, show. A, it was a good one, too. I mean. Glad see. I stuck around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is it, people. You know what? If you like getting science in sports and sports in science, kind of like a sports science Reese's Cup, <laughs> that's what we are. This is Playing With Science. You hungry? I am hungry. I guess that's where the Reese's Cup came from. Um, yeah, so if you're wishing to feed Chuck, that's the way it is. I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. And we have been playing... It's science. This is Playing With Science. I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. And this is the science of the catch. Yes. Where we, yes, where we unravel the science and tech behind Odell Beckham Jr.'s legendary one-handed grab back there in his rookie year. But now extended, just for you, by the way, with a bonus segment where we answer some of your questions about physics and football with the help of our good and dear friend, physics professor Eric Goth, author of Gold Medal Physics. Wasn't Odell, I mean, he, just announcing himself with that rookie year catch yeah, and the whole hype that's gone on with him now. I mean, bailed out of this season with a, with a badly damaged he's, ankle. Yeah, he's got it's a bad, just, uh, bad injury now, ankles, and he's out. And uh, I have to tell you, though, the great thing about going back to this show right now yeah. is the number of circus catches since this catch yeah. I got to tell you, this still rates up there as far as I'm concerned. It's one of the greatest catches I've ever seen because of the way that he reaches back for the ball, mm. lays out with complete abandon and disregard for his own body. Uh, 
It looks as though it's he... It's reckless, owned... it's fearless. It, yeah. was, it was just a, this is what I do. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it, he made it look easy. He like looks like he overextends his whole body and then comes back and then bang. You know, the whole thing was just so, so perfect. But I got to tell you, since then, it's almost as if guys are going out and trying to top this catch. He raised the bar. I mean, he, he brought freestyling. But the thing is, as we know now from so many interviews and episodes and features on him, that most of what he did was muscle memory because he was doing that over and over and over again. Yeah, you know, um, um, and I don't know if you can speak to this, Professor, but uh, basically what we found out is that's what he practices. Yeah. Well, he catches punts one-handed. He, craw- he does them cross-handed, right? So they'll, <laughs> they'll kick him punts and he'll catch them one-handed. So, yeah, that's, that's something he practices. Wow, I didn't know it was punts, though. I thought that he was just practicing by catching balls that way. I didn't know they were kicking him punts. They, they, oh, yeah. kick, they kick him, they throw him, they do all kinds of different ways to get him the ball, and, and he'll, he'll catch him one-handed. I mean, he's got that T-shirt that just says, this is what I do. This is what I do, yeah. What I do. Yeah. All right, let's, let's get to our first question. And, Chuck, because I'm all heart, you can say this guy's name. Well, this is Chris Chiquiti. So uh, if it is Italian, so Tris, Chris Chiquiti, isn't it funny? I can't pronounce anybody's name, but it's, if, if it's written in Italian, I don't have a problem. Uh, this is what he says. Uh, G'day, guys. Now I'm thinking it's not Italian. <laughs> oh, no, there's a lot. A lot of Italians yeah, in Australia? Good, good dad is only one thing. He's an Aussie. Yeah, okay. So, okay. So, so yeah, he's, there's, a, there's he's an Aussie who happens to be Italian. Yeah. Okay, so, g'day, guys. You'll mispronounce my last name, Chuck. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> but give it a go. It's better to be bigger. Is it better to be bigger or smaller in relation to mass for speed? Ooh. The bigger would have more muscle, but heavier causing drag than being small. Cheers from Australia. Clearly, the big linemen are not uh, built for speed. Uh, you know, they're built to get their big, uh, bulky masses in the way of the quarterback. And, Politely uh, said, Professor. So they got the, uh, you know, the, the mass is not really built for speed there. So sure, you want to have um, good, strong muscles in your legs and stuff. Um, you don't want to have a lot of fat because you don't want to be carrying a lot of wasted mass uh, when you're running fast. So definitely the lean uh, the, the trimmer, thinner athletes, uh, and even the taller ones that are going to have the longer strides are going to, you know, like a Usain Bolt. I mean, you know, the taller athletes are going to be able to run uh, with, with higher top speeds. See, so, I go back to the classic sweetness, Walter Payton, mm-hmm. the little guy as the running back who was just so elusive but had change of speed, you know, those change of gears, but the change of direction – and, and you just think about some of the running backs today we're seeing aren't the big bulldozers. They're the little light fly, fly oh, yeah. machines. Yeah. So well, remember is, Barry Sanders. I oh mean, my God. Barry Sanders was like a little pinball that would bounce off of uh, tacklers and uh, defenders. I mean, he, he could keep a really low center mass. And when they would try to tackle him, they would either come in a little bit uh, toward the shoulder pads or, you know, right around the chest area. So they couldn't get him down very quickly. Right. So let me ask you, is there a relationship in physics between mass and speed? Is there some kind of equation where you can figure out how much more energy you need to get that much more mass up to the same amount of speed? Yeah, the, um, you know, we, we call this uh, like uh, allometric scaling. So you, you talk about smaller animals. So like a chihuahua is going to have great acceleration, but it's not going to have a very big top speed. But something like a... Uh, 
you know, um, a racetrack greyhound is going to have these long legs. It's tall. It's not going to have great acceleration out of the block, but it's going to have a huge top speed. So the, the bigger something is, the bigger its top speed is going to be uh, for a given, you know, body type. But when you make them really small, that, that's when the acceleration is there. So if you ever watch Bolt, Usain Bolt in the, in the races, the 100 meters, some of the smaller athletes might get out of the block uh, a little quicker, but yeah. he'll have the top speed to beat him. Gotcha. Wow. Okay. That's pretty talking. All right, Chris, we hope for, hopefully that answers your question. Uh, okay, next one up is Pelon Desconocido. hope I've pronounced that correctly. Oh, if not, please good. come in and uh, you know that's a made up name. He just made that up to confuse us. Yes, confused me. <laughs> right. Is a form this is from Twitter. Is a football affected? By the Magnus effect or not, in in uh, parentheses, because of its shape, is it designed to minima, minimize it, Gary? Minimize, yes. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Yes, thank is you. Is the Magnus effect minimized or, 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 or not on the football? So we, when you think about the Magnus effect influencing, say, a baseball, mm. so a baseball fastball is thrown with a lot of backspin and the air gets whipped uh, you know, down so that you feel a slight upward force from the Magnus effect. A curveball would have a lot of top spin, so the the air gets whipped back up, and then the air is going to be pushing the ball down. So you have to have the rotation axis perpendicular to the direction you're moving. The problem with a uh, football is when it comes to the Magnus effect, it's more of a corkscrew type spiral. Right. So the rotation axis is in the direction you're moving. You don't get a very big Magnus effect at all from the football. If you could throw the ball, if you turn it 90 degrees and you throw it fat in first, then yeah, you can get a lot of a, a top spin or a backspin type Magnus effect on it. So now that tight spiral that causes, uh, you know, that beautiful NFL film shot that we all have come to know and love. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. Let's say you were to put the, um, the football in a rail gun and you were just to shoot it with no spin at all. What would you have to do to achieve the same distance? With, what would it take to achieve the same distance? Um, well, good luck with that, because what the, the spiral does, it's much like the bullet coming out of a gun that's been the rifle's been rifled. Um, anything that's got spin like that has what we call a big old angular momentum vector pointing along its nose. And if you try to turn that, that takes a torque, meaning it's hard to do. If it comes out without any spin, it's really easy to turn. So it's going to come out in any little slight displacement away from perfection. It's going to turn and you're going to get a big wobbly duck coming out of that rail gun. Wow. Okay. Cool. Technical term there. Wobbly duck. Wobbly duck. Yes, we like, like a wobbly that. duck. That's, that's physics one on one, baby. Yes. What other effects on a football? So, for instance, if I'm kicking for goal and I'm quite some, say I'm fifty something yards away from the post, I've got to get it up. I've got to get it over, and I've got to get it through. What other effects are going to possibly be in play to affect my accuracy? Well, if you're if you're 50 yards away, if, if that's a long kick for you, you might even put a little bit of uh, uh, backspin on the ball. You might kick it a little bit low mm -hmm. and try to keep it up in the air a little bit longer with the Magnus effect going up. Um, if you're a pretty strong kicker, um, I mean, I, the Brazilian, uh, was it uh, Louise, back in uh, the 2014 World Cup had a nice uh, free kick where he had a little top spin where it just came into the mm. top bar and then dipped down into the goal. Um, so 
it, it, you know, it just depends on how strong your leg is and how far out you are. I mean, 50 yards is a pretty long, pretty long kick for, for goal. Mm-hmm. It should be doable. So now you get that. Yep. Is there a way now? I'm sure this is impossible because it would have been done by now, but since you're a physicist and you're here, I got to ask you, is there a way to kick a football to a spiral? Yes. Sure. Get out. Yes. They, they they punt spirals all the time. Okay. No, 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 no. I'm talking about a field goal. I'm sorry. I didn't oh, mean, oh, 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 I've seen position. spiral punts all the time. I'm oh, not okay. I'm talking about a field goal from a place kick. Okay. So is there a way to kick a football to a spiral? And Gary, you're a former professional mm. soccer player. And uh Good. Eric, uh, you are a soccer uh fanatic. So I just want to know, is there a way to do that? You'd have to kick it off center, so left or right off center, and it would have to come out with that nice spin. The problem is you're going to have a really tough time kicking that thing straight. And when it comes out with that spiral, it will have a magnus effect on it because now you are spiraling it with the noses perpendicular to the way it's moving. So uh, not only that, you're going to have a huge amount of air resistance on it too because you got that big cross-sectional area hitting the, uh, the air on the way out. So. It's it's not a good way to kick. For it's a just field. not a good way to kick. No, so it can I mean, happen, the, but it's a terrible way to kick a field goal. Yeah, yeah. It, it would be circus tricks. Gotcha. I think really, if, if I look at it now, your your field goal, your point after, whatever it is, you are coming at a slight angle depending on which foot you kick with, uh, and you would kick basically in your general direction you're facing. Okay. I would then, as if I'm right-footed, I would approach it at almost ninety degrees or something close to that, professor kick viciously across without taking too much of the meat of the ball to a cr- to, to achieve the spiral corkscrew cork yeah and that yep. but i can't i can't then impart the energy to get distance right. but i can make it spin which so you're going to you're going to kick a, a spiral that will go 8 yards <laughs> possibly 10 yeah. right. okay i got you all right okay yeah. all right. no, no just, you don't ask you don't know yeah exactly i just wanted to know that's pretty cool that is and it just I think on on that uh, that note we'll we'll end it. Yeah, that's it. We're out of time. Professor, thank you so much. And that book again of yours, what's it called? Gold Medal Physics: The Science of Sports. There you go, thank people. Thank you very much. That's it. Just in time for the holidays. And Chuck, what will that do if you get one? Well, you know, you know what? Go out and stuff your stocking. That's what you do. That's exactly the best advice you'll ever get on any show anywhere. I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. This has been Playing With Science. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Thank you to the good professor and thank you for being on board. We look forward to your company very, very soon. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.